You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are your hosts, Evie McLeod and Lindsay Roman. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Thank you for tuning into another episode of the show where we break down a good cocktail mixture of conversations about life, faith, and business. Now, if you would have told 2016 Lindsay that she would be speaking to today's guest on her own podcast, uh huh. Mm. Okay, I would not have believed you, like 100%. I would have been like, no way. Today, we welcome Ben Higgins onto the show. My bachelor fangirl self is screaming right now. <laughs> if you are like Evie and you maybe are not as in tune to Bachelor Nation as I am, here is a bit about Ben that you need to know before listening to today's incredible conversation. Ben Higgins is best known from season 20 of The Bachelor, obviously, but he also co-founded Generous International, a for-purpose coffee company, and Humanity and Hope United, a nonprofit serving underserved villages in remote Honduras. Ben is also the co-host of the Almost Famous podcast and has several other successful business ventures under his belt as well. Today, our conversation with Ben just covers so many incredible things. Have you ever felt like you're on the outside of an inside joke that everyone else is in on? Or have you ever wanted to do something important for the world, but you just don't know where or how to start? Because in our conversation with Ben, he just tells the story of not only his bachelor journey and how his you know journey with the show catapulted him to fame, but he also has advice for anybody struggling with feeling alone, left out, or feeling unseen. Ben breaks down so much truth on finding your identity and purpose in life, sharing many of his own stories and turning point moments along the way. And then we pivoted the conversation towards business and Ben shares some powerful insights into building a business with a mission purpose in mind. Seriously, Ben shares just so much goodness in this episode. And literally at the end, I felt like just the Lord was personally using him to speak directly to my heart in the best way. If you listen, you'll know what I'm talking about, but I just know you're gonna get so much out of today's conversation. So without further ado, let's welcome Ben to the show. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step out to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Ben, welcome to the show. We are honored and excited to have you here. I'm glad you're honored. I'm honored to be here. (laughs) This is great. I love it. Okay, so most people, not me, like Lindsay said, but most people (laughs) know you from The Bachelor, but there's also a lot more to you. So can you give our listeners just a breakdown of who you are, what you do, and how you got to what you're doing and who you are today? Oh, that's great. Okay, yeah. So yeah, most people do know me from the show. And the show is something I don't shy away from for a few reasons. One, it has allowed me to do what I do today. There's no question in my mind. I would never, ever be able to be doing what I do for a living and what I do for fun if it wasn't for that year-long experience that changed everything. And so I was The Bachelor uh, in season 20. I believe it aired in 2016. I th- one of those 15 or 16. So it's been six years one of those. At, at the minimum, um, which is, which is a while. Uh, six years is quite a long time. Uh, I was young. Uh, so I was like 26 when I did this show meaning, and that's important because I, uh, was working for a job I wasn't good at. It's not that the job wasn't a great job. I just was really bad at it. 
<laughs> and uh, I needed a change of pace. I needed to create a new story. I needed something interesting in my life. And so I said yes uh, to signing up for the show. Uh, somebody had prompted me to do that. So I said yes. And I went on, uh, did the, both The Bachelor and Bachelor. And then uh, came off of that, went back to work at that previous job for another year and a half. During that year and a half, I was more unsettled than ever. It was a really weird life. So I was selling software. So I was sitting in a cubicle in a basement of this big office building. And then on like Thursday afternoon, my work would allow me to fly to Los Angeles. And as you know, like right when you get off that show, like you're really, really cool in your own mind. <laughs> and so and everyone else's mind. And I, yeah, in a few people's minds. <laughs> And so I'd fly to LA every week and I would do whatever that entailed, right? So maybe it was an award ceremony. Maybe it was a movie premiere. Maybe it was just going and hanging out in LA to be seen with the scenes of the world. And then I'd fly back and I would go back to my work. And it just felt, it, it, it felt un, unhealthy in the sense that I felt like I was living two separate lives for a year yeah. and a half of my life. And so I started to get unsettled. I, I, I started to ask myself, what was next? And I'll speed this story up. But that was important to kind of build the foundation for why I'm doing what I'm doing. During that time, uh, while I was working in my job, uh, my buddies and I had uh, worked for and helped found a nonprofit called Humanity and Hope United, uh, which is a nonprofit that focuses on poverty relief uh, and helping build sustainable communities uh, in Central America. And I thought, hey, this is something that brings me a lot of joy. It is really complex and challenging. And I'm better at it than I am my job. And so I'd like to find a way to do this full time. But I wasn't, there wasn't space in the nonprofit for me at the time. And so my buddy who was working, uh, who was the founder and president of the nonprofit, and I went to Honduras and we kind of took a road trip to um, reimagine, to be creative, to think about what next step was there for me in life. And at that period of time, uh, we came up with the idea that what if we started a for profit business? Uh, decided to donate 100% of the profits to nonprofits, including the one that we helped found. And that was my full-time job. I ran that business. I shared about that business. I advocated for that business. So we came back and we started a company called uh, Generous Coffee Company. And uh, we sell coffee still to this day. It's still my full-time job. Um, there's been really cool things to happen kind of offshoot from there. But that's my main focus. Uh, I'm able to work for that company for free because I also have a podcast, just like you two, and uh, with iHeartRadio. And that comes from the show. I talk about the show still. I watch the show. I dissect the show. I judge people uh, incorrectly <laughs> and unfairly for a living. And so on one part of my life, I'm helping fight poverty. And the other part, I get to talk about humans being idiots. Um, and and that's what... But it's, it's what funds and my life... And what continues to keep me uh, able to work for Generous and to keep this thing moving and grooving. And so, um, you know, I hope my podcast doesn't cause uh, irreparable damage to humans. <laughs> I hope I'm not that mean. But uh, I still am kind of living two different lives. However, now it makes more sense to me. It's a lot yeah. more fun to me than before. I totally. love that. I have a question. Did you... I, I know you worked, obviously, your normal nine-to-five job before going on The Bachelor, or I yep. guess Bachelor at first. Did you, like, what brought on that heart for, like, opening up, what did you say it was called? The, um, where is it? You said the, uh, oh my gosh. Humanity my Hope is United, li- the nonprofit. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Humane, yes. I, I, I was like, there's a lot of H's in there. Humanity, Hope, and no- did you have any, like, thought of doing that with your life before The Bachelor? I guess, where were you thinking your life would go before that? 
Interesting. So I was 15 years old and uh, I uh, I went with my parents and our church to uh, Honduras for the first time. And uh, it was really uh, exciting because everybody felt like we were like God warriors. They were giving us a lot of credit. Oh my gosh, you're going to Honduras. Yeah, you're so brave. You're going to do incredible things. And I was like, yeah, heck yeah, I am. And then we get there. And, uh, you know, those moments in life that are sacred, no matter what your belief system, there's moments that kind of like, you know, are going to change you forever. They force a pivot in your life or force a new understanding. And so when I went to Honduras, I, you know, I went down with this ego thinking, look what I'm going to do. And instead I left being broken, uh, Mm -hmm. for a few reasons. One, uh, I, I grew up in a really great home. Uh, I lived on a lake. I had a car or a house for my car. Uh, I went to school and um, had enough food to eat always and more than some. And when you see the opposite of that and you realize that's a reality that people live within, uh, it gives you perspective maybe is the first step. And then the second step is what happened during that trip was we were passing out food boxes uh, for relief uh, that would last about a month. And, uh, and it was confusing to me my first trip. And so we passed out these food boxes uh, if people were would go to church. And so we'd make people go to church. And then when they would leave church, we'd give them food boxes. And that felt a little, not a little, a lot odd to me. Like um, kind of dangling a carrot in front of somebody, treating them like, yeah. a, like a project. Yeah. And then we went back the next year. So I actually, the first year was young and kind of like just more confused and we went back the next year and the people were still without food, without water, still agreeing to go to church to get food boxes. And that's where my buddies and I got angry um, at the trip. Uh, we were young again, so we were immature. So our anger came out in probably an unhealthy way, but we were angry. We we're like, this is ridiculous. We're social. You know, we turned kind of t- turned into the really loud social warriors that uh, can cause a lot of harm because they yell and they scream and people just don't listen to them anymore. That's yeah. kind of what we did. But over time, as wisdom grew and as age came about us, about three years later, as we, and we talked about it all the time, kind of made fun of the trip, kind of made fun of the process. We thought, okay, what if we had this crazy idea? What if, uh, what if humans are actually really valuable? And what if they have a lot of purpose? And what if like even people who aren't given a lot from birth actually like are humans? Like what if they actually know what they're doing? And that idea spurred us on to start Humanity Hope United, which was ba- based on the idea that w- we would go into these communities that are um, stricken with poverty for whatever reason. There's a thousand different reasons why poverty exists. Uh, and we ask them, what do you need? What do you want? What do you dream of? And then how can we help you? And we let them lead us. And we build a whole organization based on that concept. And uh, wow. and so, you know, we're 11 years in now. So this was not a a bachelor thing. The wow. difference with the time on the show was when we started it, we were in our early 20s and uh, and kind of fundraising based on our small little circle and network. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, The Bachelor, uh, I think, brought us the, uh, the exact numbers I won't get right, but it's somewhere around $150,000 a year in fundraising wow. to over $600,000 in fundraising within the year I was on the show uh, because wow. the show allowed me to talk about it. 
they allowed it to be a part of my story because it is a part of my story. It was a huge part of my life. It is a huge part of my life. You know, I've been down 40 times. I lead four trips a year still to this day. Did during that time, uh, actually had a parasite the whole time I was the bachelor because I had just gone (laughs) from Honduras to LA to film the show. Um, (sighs) yeah. And so I think, uh, it was always a part of my life. It was just, you know, for me in my tradition and, and, and within my language, I was asking myself after the show, what is this whole thing for? Like I just gone through a breakup from the show, you know, the fame was fleeting and what wasn't fleeting felt kind of odd. And, you know, I wasn't famous for any reason other than the fact that I dated people on TV. There's not a lot you can do with that. And I, I kept praying like, God, like what was all this for? Like, I don't get it anymore. This all Mm -hmm. feels like it's either confusing or pain or very selfish. Mm -hmm. And, um, the, the organization side of things helped me see that like it is all for a, a greater reason. I love that. I love too that that was something that started so young for you. And, you know, it sounds like has just been a huge part of your purpose and your calling and like the Lord's like direction on your life. And, you know, clearly your passion is still there and like probably stronger than ever and maybe a little bit more guided than yeah. ever, tamed, tamed with wisdom. Yeah. I, I would love to hear, cause you have just written a book. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like your passion and, and, you know, mission behind generous and your nonprofit and everything has bled into the book? Like, do you want to share a little bit about, I just, I guess like, cause clearly that's such a big part of your life. Like, does it tie into the book or if not just where, where did the book come from? What's the heart behind that? Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, and so the book was a journal initially through college. And so I, uh, I had struggled and, you know, for multiple different reasons with, I've always struggled even to this day, I'm 33 with this idea that like everybody else is in on something that I'm not like, I mm-hmm. don't get it, which is why like the Truman show freaks me out, which is why it's weird <laughs> that I went on the bachelor. Um, it's the idea, you know, it, it gets weirder and weirder today because people start talking about simulations and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I've always felt that way. I don't know why. <laughs> um, but I've always felt like the outsider. I've always felt like everybody else gets it and I'm just not getting it. And yeah. and so uh, early on, like um, in my life, based on changes in identity from being an, an athlete, like, a, you know, my golden years, high school athlete blowing out my knee to then, um, becoming addicted to painkillers to numb the depression or lack of identity, um, to then going into college and feeling like, I don't know where I fit in. I'm not a great student. Um, I'm not a bad student. I'm very average at a lot of things and sometimes below average at a lot of things to then my adulthood where, you know, all of a sudden I go and get this job that I just don't, um, quite understand why I'm doing it. And, um, didn't go on the show and get a lot of praise, uh, and a lot of criticism. And I wasn't ready for either necessarily. And so through that whole period of time, I just kept asking myself, like, what does all this mean? Like, what is all this for? Like, what is my buddy just asked me this question right before we got on this podcast. He said, what is like, the question we all have to ask ourselves is what is it that I'm meant to carry? Mm -hmm. And I think I was asking myself that question, like, what is it that I'm meant to carry? Because right now I feel like I'm carrying nothing that I'm familiar with. And, um, so when I wrote alone in plain sight, it was a response to the feeling that I had, which was, uh, I feel alone. I feel disconnected. Uh, I don't feel known. And, uh, and one of the themes as writing the book and kind of coming into it was the more and more I focused on myself, 
the less and less I felt fulfilled. But the more and more I was focusing on not only myself, but also others, um, yeah. an equal kind of pattern and rhythm that um, joy came, uh, that understanding came, that stories came. Mm, um, yeah. And so the book, yes, like it bleeds into it because what H&H Humanity and Hope United does, uh, which is what Generous does now, which is uh, the other organization I'm a part of now that I'm on the board of is Project Hope. They're more medically focused. What all of them do is they allowed me the opportunity to use my time and my day to not be completely selfish because I have a really good tendency to do that. <laughs> Don't we um, all? <laughs> yeah. And so, yes, it did bleed into it. A lot of lessons learned were a lot of the lessons from just life and seeing what was working and what wasn't. Mm-hmm. I think that's really relatable. Um, just even the concept of feeling like you're outside of like the inside joke that everyone's in on. Um, like I, I, I can, I know our listeners can absolutely relate to that, but just almost going through life and feeling like you are not like, you're just like constantly, I, I guess, left out obviously. But is there a, I guess a moment in your life where, you truly felt felt seen like the opposite of that? Or like, is there an inspirational or I mean, not inspirational, <laughs> but just like a, a moment where if you struggled with that, was there a moment in the opposite realm of, oh, wow, like this, this actually made me feel really loved or really seen um, where I didn't feel alone? Well, I think, I think that happens often. I think it happens in small moments. There is not, you know, there's not this one grand moment where I'm like, okay, all of this now uh, is gone or all of this now, um, makes sense. I think, um, part of the gift that it's became for me is the consistent, um, I, I guess, uh, ability to feel unknown, which allows me to stay humble, um, Mm -hmm. or allows me to stay in the mystery, which allows me to stay empathetic towards others that are hurting and probably feeling the same way. Um, you know, and so it, it, I guess instead of maybe feeling seen and known, because I don't even know how well I understand myself. Like yeah. I'm a mystery to myself. Oftentimes <laughs> I do not know why I do what I do. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and so the, the thing it's turned into is something that I, I pushed against, or again, I tried to numb or I tried to push aside to something that I accept and listen to and say, okay, in this moment, I feel unseen. Why is that? Is there something I need to say? Is there somebody I need to reach out to? Is there something I feel guilty from or of that I need to confront? Yeah. And those moments, maybe not as much being seen, but just feeling in touch with the mystery that is myself Yeah. has uh, allowed me to see it less as a burden and more of a an exploration. Totally. I think that's really good. Just simplifying it down to like, in in my experience, it's just there's always the exploration. I feel like we we change and evolve too over time. And you know, who you were Ben at 15 is not who you are now at 33. And who Lindsay was at, you know, 15 is not who she is now. Like there's there's constantly growth. And I think recognizing, you know, the the in-betweens and the discoveries is huge. For you, because I feel like that leads into identity. Um, for you you do talk about identity in the book, what people see and and what we really identify with and if others really see that as well and just different things like that. For you, do you want to talk a little bit about like your process of finding your identity and, and what that has been like for you? Yeah. 
Well, one of the coolest things that I was taught, uh, like none of this comes from myself. Um, some of this comes from life experiences. Some of this comes from lessons of wise counsel and, and friendships. But one of the cool things is to give up the idea uh, that today I'm going to say this is who I am and tomorrow I'm going to be the same thing. Um, to give that idea up, to kind of, uh, the more, the older I get, the more uh, God becomes like the wind to me. Um, that yeah. the spirit guides and directs and moves and grooves and staying attuned to that, uh, to listening to that, to being um, excited about that changing process yeah, has brought a freedom, honestly, to know that I can give up this idea that I have to be this today and I have to be that mm. tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and so what I say in the book and what I mean um, when, I, when I start talking about identity is to just ask yourself often, regularly, um, meditate on it, is who am I? If I'm in a place of feeling um, like the outsider, if I'm in the place of feeling disliked or unloved or pushed aside or un, unworthy, um, who am I really? And for me, again, with my tradition and, and with my faith, it's who am I in the eyes of God? Uh, yeah. How does God see me? Uh, and and if, if that's not your faith tradition or if it's not the any tradition of yours, then it's then it's who are you when you see yourself as the most beloved um, mm-hmm. would maybe be the same way I would ask that question. When you feel beloved um, for who you are, if you saw yourself uh, with all of your struggles and all of your pains and all of your disappointments and the people you've hurt along the way, um, and if you could see that and somebody look at you and say, yes, and I love you and I like you, mm-hmm. um, what would that mean to you? What would that do to your soul and to your heart? And so for me, I ask that question in, uh, in the eyes of God is who am I in the eyes of God regularly, especially yeah. when I'm struggling and also when I'm doing really well, uh, yeah. because sometimes the moments that I'm doing really well, I forget the calling in which, uh, I know is placed in my life, which was to stay attuned to others and myself, yeah. um, yeah. and to, to love others well. And so that is when you look at your identity, um, I, I said it in the book and, and I say, yeah, strip away at your, the titles that the world gives you. Um, some of those titles, I mean, most of those titles are great. Like you're a CFO, you're a janitor, you're a, a driver, you're a, a salesman, whoever, whatever your title is. And then, uh, even, you know, go as far as saying like strip away at, uh, the titles of mother, father, um, sister, brother, son, daughter, um, take away all of those things that feel like some sort of expectation and say, who am I as a child of God? And, um, yeah. And that's helped me see more clearly. Yeah. I feel so like we powerful. so often put our identity also in what we do as far, not even like our title, like, yeah, like daughter, son, but like, like I've struggled with this a lot of putting my identity in my work and my achievement of like, oh, I've accomplished this. Therefore, like I'm a success or I'm awesome. Um, and I love what you just said of just like breaking it down and being like, who am I as a beloved child of God? Or if you don't believe in God, just like, who am I as like my most beloved? I love that you break that down just because I think that's such a, an important reminder that our our identity and our worth does not come from like our achievements or or like the accolades that even the world says that we are. Um, And it really comes from like who God says we are. So I I love that you broke that down. I have a follow-up question that kind of, I don't know if it's really about identity. It's more so kind of more about the alone topic. After you got off the bachelor and you had this like newfound fame, do you almost find it's harder as you grow in fame and success to almost feel more alone because people think that when you're at the top, 
top in quotations, obviously, like you have like all this fame and success and it seems like you're like on top of the world, but I feel like it almost is more lonely. Is that, would you say that's true? Well, there's a great poet named Justin Bieber who writes a song, (laughs) a song called Lonely. And if you listen to it and you watch the music video, you know, that's a, like, you know, that comes from a sacred place. You know, that's a cry from his soul. Yeah. Yeah. And Justin Bieber has reached whatever the top. Yeah. Uh, he has more money That's than he's ever going to know what he, uh, you know, is going to do with. He has, yeah. uh, he's better looking than 99% of the world. The only three that he's not is us three on this podcast. <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, so yes, I think so. Uh, I think, I, you know, I'm trying to think of how to answer that. I do think for me, there the more expectation that was placed, and I, and I, I feel like I had a um, a little unfair, and this is why. Uh, you know, my season came out, and the tagline for my season was "the perfect Ben," and so the expectation for that was that I was going to be perfect, and anything less than perfect was a complete failure. Yeah. Uh, and I know, and you know, and everybody else knows that. Um, that tagline, it could not be farther from the truth. And so people, uh, because they believe, I don't know, they believe I write those taglines or whoever does, I didn't know it was coming out. They want to see you fail. And then if they don't want to see you fail, they want to see you hold up to the expectation that was placed upon you, which was to be something. Yeah. And I knew I never was going to be that. Uh, right. I, I knew that whatever, ideals or ideas that somebody had of me in their head on, um, my morals were going to line up in this way. And I was going to stand by those morals every time. And I was never going to slip or fall. My values were going to be this, this, and this, because he's a Christian, he's going to believe in this, this, and this, and he's going to say it strongly and uh, authoritatively to every woman that walks through that door. Like, because that's not just who I am. It's not at all who I am. Uh, and, and a lot of those things that they might've assumed might not be true, but yet my my, my faith is still built on a foundation that I believe um, is constantly moving and twisting and turning and mysterious at times. Um, and because of that mystery exists, people just got really upset about it. And so, yes, uh, because I live in a mystery unto myself, uh, I believe that I was a mystery to a lot of people watching. And yeah. um, as a result, uh, there, there wasn't a lot of space for anybody to be really curious about what makes me me. Instead, it yeah. was an assumption brought onto an expectation that then said, oh, he's not what he says he is. It's like, well, I never said I was anything. So, <laughs> you know, I'm glad. I'm glad that you thought that. But yes. Yeah, so, yes, I do feel like it was lonely. Yeah. Hello, photographers. We have some life-changing news for you. So listen up. Do you feel like your life is being sucked away by editing these days? Like, Raise your hand if 99% of what you do right now is stare at a computer screen manually editing hundreds, if not thousands, of images at a time. Well, then listen up because this is about to literally change your life. Introducing Batch AI, a Lightroom plugin that uses artificial intelligence to batch edit at lightning speed. The tech reads your edit and bases its edits off of your style throughout your gallery, which is mind-blowing. All you have to do is edit a few sample edits from each different lighting scenario for the software to read, and then the program takes it from there and begins to match your ideal edits throughout the rest of your gallery. Basically, you train the program to edit just like you and save hours of your time. The founder and creator of Batch AI, Sean, has been our personal photo editor for over four years, and he is absolutely 
absolutely genius and thorough in everything he does, and this program is no exception. A couple of features that are just the coolest is that Batch AI smart crops and straightens your images, can replicate brush and gradient tools you use, as well as can smartly identify your black and white images, excluding them from editing and color. Like, what? <laughs> literally, ins- it's literally insane. So to test out Batch AI today, go to batch.ai and use code hearthustle for life using numerical four for 25% off your first purchase. That's hearthustle for life and the link and the code will be in the show notes. Hey, photographers, this one's for you. Real talk, have you ever felt like your photos just look stale? Like they lacked the oomph that you're looking for? Ever feel like you're not just like fully capturing the life and energy and story of your clients, but you just don't know how to fix it? Well, we've got some magic sauce for you, my friend. Meet your new best friend, The Posing Miner, our online course for photographers showing you how to capture those jaw-dropping, authentic photos of your clients that will leave them in tears because you capture them in the moment so perfectly. Yes, it is packed full with six course episodes, over 232 minutes of video content, and three bonus PDFs. Lindsay and I take you out into the field with us. Like, no, literally, we we go into some fields and we walk you through step-by-step how to pose families, couples, portraits or seniors, wedding parties, and a wedding couple. So if you are ready to say bye-bye to brain farts in the middle of your photo sessions, awkward silences and weird freaking prom poses, uncomfortable clients and subpar images, the posing minor is your new best friend. To see more and to join in on the magic, go to theheartuniversity.com forward slash posing dash minor. One more time, theheartuniversity.com forward slash posing dash minor. Yeah. What would you say to the listener right now who maybe is not anywhere near the top, who is like, they feel like the lowest of the low, you know, just the average person on the street and they're just feeling lonely and disconnected and, you know, on the outside of things. Like, do you have one thing that you're like, I want you to take this away from this episode? Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing is, uh, when speaking about fame or success, uh, you know, I've tasted fame. Like I've tasted it. the, the taste lot came and went pretty fast, but it, I tasted it and I felt it and I've been able to travel and stay in the nicest hotels and I've been able to sign autographs and take pictures um, and get awards. Like, oh, I've done all those things, which is super cool. It, uh, it is utterly meaningless. I will say it is the smallest, like, I can't even brag about it at a dinner party confidently with my friends <laughs> because it's so ridiculous and it's so... <laughs> Now, maybe that would change, right? Like maybe it would change if I had a tangible skill set I was getting like awards for. Um, Or maybe it would change if like I was an actor who put years and years of work into uh, my craft and put out a movie that was really like really well done. Like, I don't know. But that's not my story. My story is not that. My story was I was working in an office. I showed up to a set in LA and all of a sudden I'm The Bachelor. Like (laughs) that is my story. And, And so I just don't have a lot of like, I, there's not a lot of significance to yeah. me in any of that. And, and, and I wish sometimes there was like, I wish, uh, my friends, uh, since I was little would, I would walk into a room and they would be like, you are the coolest thing to walk this earth. I'd be like, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you think that way. Um, they never did and they never will. Uh, and so my message to anybody would be one, like the success and the fame is not, um, fulfilling. And, mm-hmm. and I can't say that enough and I, I can't wrap enough nice, pretty words around it to make it stick. I would just ask that somebody trusts me in that. 
mm-hmm. that it doesn't do anything for your soul, uh, mm-hmm. that there's things outside of that that fulfill, that satisfy. You know, I like I, I like to think of um, like humanity as this beautiful um, stained glass window uh, where all of us have our own unique little piece that fits in. You know, we need people who are in the arts. Uh, we need people who are creating music. We need people um, who are entertaining us and helping us relax. Uh, we need comedians to laugh at and to laugh with. Uh, yeah. We need people who are grinding every day, doing a job that's hard on their body and hard on their mind. We need all of us. And every every piece of that has unique and, and, and the same value because ultimately yeah. it fits into a bigger picture. And I know that's hard even like when I say it, it's like, okay, well, how do you convince somebody of that? I don't, I don't know um, without you trying it. And if, if anything, like you can take it from me maybe, or I guess in my life when there's something that feels like I can't understand it, I would reach out to somebody that maybe had been there and done that. And I would just ask them for their experience. And from my experience, um, it did nothing to make me a better human or to make me feel any greater about who I was on this earth or in the face of God. Um, other than bring me really cool opportunities to do things alongside other people that that's been a great benefit. I feel like that's, I, I, that's what I see when I look at your story. Cause I, I, I can see how you'd be like, well, I'm not like an actor. I don't have like talent that made me famous in that way. But I think it's just so cool that you took an opportunity that was given to you that you didn't necessarily ask for. And you turned it into something that is benefiting people for good. And so I kind of, we are a business podcast. So I kind of want to transition the conversation a little bit as we kind of head to the end of the show of like kind of building businesses with the mindset of impacting the world. Cause I think that's what you've done really well with the platform that you were given. So and my question is like, how do you think that we can, anybody could build a business that impacts and helps the world today? Like, is there a certain way that you recommend doing that? Or, I mean, cause obviously like you use the, the fame, I guess that you had gotten yeah. from the bachelor, but for the average Joe out there that wants to just like, be like, Hey, I really have a heart for missions where I have a heart for the homeless or for world, not world human trafficking or something like that. What would you say to the person that wants to build something that helps something out there. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think you're, you're touching on the first thing I would say is like, what is like upsetting you? What is, uh, you know, for generous, uh, we are human focused, um, because, um, you know, we love animals. Obviously my dog is running around here and being (laughs) absolutely wild. I love my dog. He's a pain, uh, right now. Um, (laughs) but I love him and I, uh, you know, but, uh, the environment, right? Like I, I want to do what I can to support this beautiful place that we live on, but we are human focused, uh, because that's what really upset our guts at 15 years old. And so first find out that, um, and I think that will help align with your purpose. Uh, the next step, uh, would be either partnering, and this is really important partner with or start, but I would say start with partnering with some organization or some group of people that are already doing it, what you care to be doing. Uh, there's a lot of great nonprofits and for purpose businesses out there that just need support and human, um, capital. And so, uh, see if there's somebody that's already doing what you hope to be doing and just see if you can go alongside of them. It's, it's a little odd to be competitive in a space that's trying to support uh, the benefit of others. And so see if first off you can take out that competitiveness and join on to a mission. 
if there isn't, there isn't anything out there that's doing what you're doing or not doing it in the way that you hope to be doing it. Uh, then it's asking, um, and, and this is really important also is spending some time, uh, because we did the backwards way at generous. Um, we started this thing without ever asking ourselves a question. And then a year and a half in, we started to ask ourselves this question. It's a big question is, is this, is this mission that we're going down helping or hurting? So is it actually benefiting? Right. I mean, I, I always use the example of Tom shoes. I think Tom shoes was a great idea. I have not, like, I don't want anybody to go out and be like, I'm against Tom shoes. Now I, I, that's not at all what I'm saying. I think they did a great thing and they started a trend and that's lasted a long time. But what Tom shoes did is he said, okay, we're going to do the one for one model and we're going to sell shoes and then give a pair of shoes to people who don't have shoes previously. Really great idea. It is what it ended up doing though, is it cut out a whole industry uh, within the communities that the shoes are being donated to. And yeah. so there's a whole group of people that jobs were lost. Now, Tom Shoes has confronted that. They've been confronted with that issue. Again, no harm on them, except the fact that now they have to ask themselves a, themselves a question years after founding this thing is, are we helping or are we hurting? Uh, yeah, is there yeah. better, or maybe the better question is, is there a better way to do this so that there's less damage caused along the way? Finally, I would say when you want to start your own business, you know, we built generous, our unique differentiator is we built a business based on our mission. So we said, okay, we want to sell a whole bunch of coffee in this world and then we want to donate back. Right? So that's our, our, our first step was finding out what our mission was and then just being like, okay, coffee works. Let's try to sell coffee. (laughs) feels like a good thing to sell. Some yeah. people, right, already have businesses in place and now they're, they're asking themselves the question, okay, how can I use this business now to help others? That's still fine. Um, but it's building in, uh, it, it's building it in as a priority to your business. It gets really tempting. We're humans. It gets really tempting to uh, be like, hey, this month we don't really need to give that because like that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go on a vacation. And like that money looks like the perfect amount for me to go on a really good vacation though. You have to make it a priority. You have to set the foundation, the groundwork. You put your stake in the ground and say, I'm never going to alter the course of this business for my own personal gain because we are committing to this project, this purpose, these humans. Mm -hmm. That would be the like very high level stuff that I would say is find your purpose. Educate yourself on what else is out there that's doing what you're doing. Um, asking yourself if you're helping or hurting. And then finally making sure that you stick your stake in the ground and say, I'm never going to alter the course of uh, this for my own personal benefit once I commit to supporting something greater than myself. I love that. That's so, oh, good. so good. I think it's so cool too for, you know, small business owners, entrepreneurs, people who are out there, you know, hustling and and moving and grooving and trying to shake things up to, you know, hear a conversation with you and hear like the bigger picture. Cause I think it's very easy for us, um, as human beings, but, but also as, as entrepreneurs, we can get pretty scrappy and, and, you know, very head down of focusing on our goals and the things that we're doing. I think it's really cool to, just hear from someone who is both doing the business, but also doing the business with the bigger purposes in mind and kind of get that insight from you of like, if you're feeling inspired, if you're feeling, you know, like a tug in your heart right now and anything that you're saying of generous and, you know, everything that you're doing for you to just give the like one, two, three, four, like here's where you start. So I love that. Um, Ben, you're currently working like, full-time with generous, right? Like that's your gig. You're running that company. 
It is. Yeah. I love it. Um, do you want to share a little bit of just about like, you're speaking to a lot of business owners right now. Do you want to just talk like, is there anything that you're like, I have learned this in business. Do not make this mistake. Like, please <laughs> yeah. just like avoid my pitfalls. <laughs> oh, definitely. I could definitely do that. Um, well, first off, <laughs> I'm speaking to a lot of business owners. And uh, as every good business owner knows, we are best advocates. And so if you have a business that sells coffee or needs coffee in your office space, or if you drink coffee at home, visit generouscoffee.com. It's high quality, single origin coffee. Uh, We do a great job at wholesale. So if you're a church, a coffee shop, we would love to partner with you and work with you. Or if you just drink coffee at home, we'd love to provide you with your wonderful cup of coffee every morning. So visit generouscoffee.com. Oh my um, gosh, this is amazing. So yeah, good. thank you for that. I just, uh, uh, d- I heard a reel the other day that says you have to talk about your business to have a business. So thank you for literally that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, lessons learned. Okay, so I... Uh, we okay, so there's a there's a history of generous here where um, we have uh, gone uh, to the the really cool place where zeros are in our bank account. Um, two different seasons of life where we've lost everything. Um, those seasons have taught us a lot. Um, they've taught us. Uh, they've taught me how, how to manage and navigate. Um, crises, COVID shut down one of our coffee shops. And we, because of our donation model, we don't always have a lot of cash reserves on hand. And so that was something we had to change. We had to have a really good, uh, rainy day fund, um, to continue to do what we wanted to do. And then also within that, I had to take the really difficult step. And if any business owner understands this, as your business grows, um, there's more demands on you as a person, there's more time, um, there's more expertise needed, uh, about, uh, two years ago, I was sitting in a place uh, where I said, I don't know, uh, not that I can't do it. I'm not the right person to lead this forward um, operationally. And so I had to give up the reins and hire on a CEO. Uh, So I'm now the president, uh, mostly just an advocate. Uh, I help with our, our staffing. I help make sure that our bills get paid. I help make sure that customers are really happy. Um, with our coffee, but for the most part, my main job is to sell and advocate. Uh, and, um, that was a really hard season for me. You kind of birth this baby into the world you have big dreams yeah. for it and you really think that you can do it. And I still believe I could do it. Like, I don't, I'm not saying this with like, Hey, I, I was not able to, I just knew I wasn't yeah. the best person for it. And I had to get to a place where I was able to give that up so that new leadership could come in and redirect and re-guide and help us set sail in a a better direction. And and it's been a a wonderful thing a year and a half later to see where Generous is at and see what we've done and see what we've accomplished and to know that um, I didn't have to do it on my own and I didn't have to uh, take on all that burden uh, when I did not feel qualified, most of my life, I was sitting at a, a business conference. It's a really big business conference in LA that somehow I got invited to. And I'm sitting in this room and there's like six CEOs. Um, and I think people thought Generous was like a really big coffee company. I think that's why I got hired on uh, for this speaking event. And it was like the CEOs of like massive banks and um, software companies. And there is this lady sitting next to me who I forget what, who she was, was the CEO of. And I was like sweating. And she's like, you seem nervous. <laughs> And I'm like, I am nervous. It's weird. I speak a lot in front of people, but like, I'm very underqualified for this room. In fact, I have no clue what I'm doing here. And she goes, yeah, she goes, join the club. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, 
uh, do you ever feel like you're building the plane and flying it at the same time? I said, yeah, every day. I feel like we're going to crash and burn. And I stay up, I stay up till five in the morning working or thinking, or I wake up in the middle of the night with like panic of, oh my gosh, we're not going to be able to pay our employees tomorrow because we don't have any money in the bank. And she says, Ben, like, that's all of us. Like some of us have more years of experience. Some of those thoughts uh, have faded away from certain topics because we've learned and now we're into others, but it's always that. It's that wow. with every person that's doing anything of any type of passion or standard is they don't know always what they're doing and that's okay. So good. And so that's another lesson. Uh, the next lesson when somebody asks me, and I mean this uh, from the bottom of my heart, because generous is my main job. It's the main thing I focus on, but there's five other things that I, I have um, a stake in or that I've helped start and maybe have passed off completely at this point, but still help work within. Um, some of them have been really successful um, and done really well financially. Uh, and somebody, and, and so when somebody asks like, Hey, what's the secret to your success? Uh, again, we'll go back and we, you could listen to the answer on success earlier on what I said. Um, but I know what they mean. Uh, like what's the sustainability, uh, how have they became financially like, um, profitable, all those things is it's always the people I've been able to surround myself with. Yeah. It's always the team that's at place. Uh, if you look at any one of those, there's only one common denominator. It's the people involved. It's their skill sets. It's their passion. It's freeing them up from a leadership position to explore their passions, to give them some type of ownership and initiative into what we're doing. Um, it's always allowed these things to flourish a lot better than they ever would if I were to grip them really tight and hold on to them and not let loose. Um, yeah. That's That's been um, another really... Um, great thing for me. And, and I learned it because uh, early on, uh, I just, I mean, I knew I, I wasn't, I had a lot of cool ideas. I just didn't know how I was going to do them, any of them. And so I had yeah. to find people that would do them and that knew how to do them. And so if, if you ask me to break down every piece of business advice I have or any piece of work advice I have, it, it would be uh, to understand that if you feel like you don't know what you're doing, to not feel alone in that. Um, mm -hmm. And to use that as an opportunity to learn and to grow and to ask and to stay curious and to reach out and to connect. The next uh, piece of advice I would have is when you have an idea, as soon as you can, I know right away, it's often long nights of hustling at your computer alone because you just don't have any money or any resources to hire anybody else on. But as soon as you can, um, grip it a little less tightly and bring on people to help you out. Because uh, that's when things get a lot of fun. A lot, uh, that's when things get a lot more fun. Yeah. Oh, I love that he so was like, good. give us some tips. And you were like, let me mic drop all <laughs> just like everything. Well, good. Oh, man. <laughs> the Lord just like used you, Ben, to speak to my soul in a lot of that. So thank oh, I yeah. just, if no one else got anything, that was for me. So <laughs> good. Well, that's all we're talking to right now. I don't know if anybody oh, listens to man. this. Oh, man. So it's just the picture of you sitting there and being like, I am underqualified. And she's like, Welcome. Yeah. So is everyone, that's so good. That yeah. is, mm, I think that's just like so relatable too. Cause so many people out there, like I always say like something that, that if anybody's like, well, what, what's one thing that you wish you would have told your beginning self when you started your business, mm. I would have been, I, I usually say like Beyonce is no cooler than you. Mm. Like we all think like that there's people out there that like yeah. know the, the, know the, know the magic secret of success or whatever, just like you said. And it's like, 
we're all journeying on our story and everyone makes mistakes and we're all learning and everyone that thinks that they have it together, that we think have it together, they don't. Yeah. Or maybe they do in some areas, but not all of them. Yeah, <laughs> speaking truth. Oh, so man. good. Ben, thank you so much for being here. This conversation, I feel like I could talk to you for like five hours and like pivot in millions of different directions, but thank you so much for just like sharing your story, talking about your book and dropping all the business advice from someone who also doesn't have it together. <laughs> but we are building the plane as we all fly. That's right. So I love it. For anyone who is now listening to this, who's like, man, I want to read Ben's book. I want mm. to connect with him. I want to learn from him. Where can everyone find you, buy from you, buy from Generous, all the things? Yeah. So generouscoffee.com. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I've said it yet. So let me say it again. <laughs> it's generouscoffee.com. You can find me on Instagram at higgins.ben. It's pr- probably where I update stuff the most. Um, Generous Coffee has their own Instagram uh, that stays uh, very, very active. Uh, I would love for people to go out if they're in a season of loneliness or feeling disconnected and wanting to just know they're not alone and to hear my story. And then the stories of many others, this, you don't have to read a whole book on me. It's not that it's the story of myself and many others. Um, you can look up alone in plain sight on Google. Um, it's still offered on Amazon. It's still in print. And so I'd love for people to go out and check that out. Uh, and then finally, if, if you want to reach out, the best way to do that is to message, um, our generous account. Uh, we have somebody filtering through that and passing stuff on to me. I just spoke to somebody this morning that needed, that wants to start a coffee shop. Uh, and, uh, and they're not even using our coffee, but they want to start a coffee shop. And so we spent some time just kind of hanging out with them and, getting them prepped as best we could for that experience. And so, yeah, we're very excited um, if we're able to speak with anybody that is uh, that is out there. But yeah, if, I mean, in all seriousness, if you're somebody that's like, hey, we have a coffee shop or we have a business, like Generous really wants to help you out. Like we, we want to tell this great story of giving 100% of our profits to nonprofits through you. That's the only way we do this. I'm, I mean, I'm not buying it myself. I mean, I am. I have a subscription to my own company, but <laughs> I, you know what I mean. Um, you're you not know, buying all others. of it yourself. Yeah, I'm not buying all of it. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. That. Well, thank you so much, Ben, for taking your time and giving us just such wisdom and relatable stories that all of our listeners, including me, like I said, can just <laughs> personally just cherish in our soul. So thank you so much for taking time to be here. Hey, thank you all. I appreciate it.